Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday to you and yours. Man, do we have an awesome show for you today. The house is full. I don't know who invited all these guys into the studio today, but they're here. Comedian Steve Byrne uh, rejoins us uh, here in studio. Uh, you guys, of course, know Pastor Anthony uh, is here in studio with us, as is one of the best rappers. I'm not even going to, can't put Christian on, just one of the best rappers we know. Bryson Gray is in studio with us. And Royce White's going to join us via Skype here in a second. These guys will be hanging out with me all day. Oh, Royce is already here, the deepest man on the show. Royce White's going to join us here in a second. And, and Royce and I are going to go deep on this, but I'm going to have these guys chime in if they want on uh, Ja Morant. Ja Morant, the Memphis Grizzly basketball player in trouble, uh, suspended right now uh, by the NBA. We're going to have a discussion about that. But before we do all that, I want to take care of a little bit of business. As I, got, as I showed you guys uh, last week, your boy has a new phone, and it's a Patriot mobile phone, and I love it. I've got all my apps on here. I've got, I even let them put Twitter on here, and I don't like having Twitter on my phone. But since I got this new Patriot mobile phone, I said, put all the stuff, the good stuff on here. I got Instagram on here. I got it all. I got the approval rating app on here. I'll tell you guys about that in the coming days. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Patriot Mobile, for the support of this show. And Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy. And they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. I've had zero problems. I've had this phone now for two or three weeks. This thing is off the chains. My connection's good. Patriot Mobile's America's only Christian conservatives wireless provider offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks, so you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. This new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com Jason or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Jason. That's patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 878-PATRIOT. I did it. You should do it. I put my money where my mouth is. I love my new Patriot Mobile phone. I hope that you guys uh, join me over at Patriot Mobile. Having done that, taking care of the business, taking care of our great sponsor, Patriot Mobile, let's talk a little job, Morant. <clears throat> Morant uh, was caught, or not caught, he, he went to Instagram, Instagram Live and posted a video of himself flashing a gun inside of a strip club. Why he did this, I don't know. Uh, there are people out there speculating, is this some, some, some sort of humiliation ritual? He was just last week, the Washington Post was writing about his off-court troubles, beating up a 17-year-old boy and flashing a gun on him this past summer. He's had the problems with the Indiana Pacers, and, and he and his crew, after a game, perhaps flashing a gun or pointing a red uh, laser light at a car of Indiana Pacer officials, John Morant has 
seemingly gone off the reservation and gone crazy and seems to be caught up in this thug mentality or wanting to be a gangster. It seems crazy. I don't know how you could be in the news all last week and then, hey, I'm going to go to Instagram and post a video of myself with a gun other than to say the culture has a hold of him. The culture baits young men to buy into the thug mentality and that's how you get street cred. There's part of me that's like, if it's not a humiliation ritual, is he just trying to get Allen Iverson street cred? Is he trying to get, will this street cred help his Nike sales? Will this turn him into a bigger star? Uh, let's bring in Royce White before I, I wanna show you some videos. A lot of sympathy and concern being poured out for uh, uh, John ja Morant, but I, I first want to bring in Royce White because I think a lot of people are framing this issue, Royce, as a mental health issue for John ja Morant. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly it's a mental health issue. Like a lot of people got a lot of mental health issues that that go un unidentified, uh, unacknowledged, um, poorly defined. You know, we we like to think of mental health issues as DSM, right? The, diagno the Diagnostical Statistical Manual, and that's the prevailing uh, scientific way to, to diagnose and, and define mental health conditions. But obviously mental health issues are, are much broader than that. And yeah, I mean, when you're getting drunk at a strip club and you think to flash a gun on your own social media, uh, you're, you're definitely having an issue. Royce, a lot of people, let, let's play Jalen Rose. A lot of people are pouring out a lot of sympathy for John Morant, and I want to know if you sympathize or is sympathy what John Morant needs right now, but let's first play the Jalen Rose clip. I am John Morant. Like, you guys have got a chance to see me grow up for public consumption since 1991. And I've been involved in drug raids. I've survived assassination attempts. I've been that undisciplined young person that was trying to figure out how to be famous, how to be successful, and how to change the dynamics of my family. The one thing that young people have to understand, and in John Morant's case, when you first get drafted, you go from being a member of the family, a member of the crew, to being the leader, to being the breadwinner. And first and foremost, I hear a lot of people talking about like his family and his crew. When you the leader, it's on you because you end up searching that lifestyle. You end up wanting to be down. And what I had to learn is that people come into your life for four reasons. To add, subtract, multiply, or divide. You have to choose wisely. He has way too much to lose. Trust me, I've been that young player carrying a gun. And Will Bond alluded to this. When you start waving it, that could get you killed. That, that ain't, that's, that's, a, that's an entirely different thing than we're talking about a superstar athlete should be putting themselves in position. And as Stephen A mentioned, that's him on the video, on his IG Live. Ain't nobody coaxing him. Ain't nobody got a, 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 
Ain't nobody egging him on to do that. That's a personal choice. And a lot of times, guys, as I mentioned, fame can be a drug. And I don't know what type of pain that he deals with and type of anxiety that he has or what types of substances that he may be using. And I'm glad in this statement that he owned that I need to make changes for me because as the leader, as the breadwinner, you control the environment. The people that are around you, you select. And a lot of times, unfortunately, and Wilbon alluded to this also, when we start to get fame, when we start to get money, then we try to feel like we keeping it real. Like we trying to be down now. We trying to be tough now. We trying to be hard now. But you made it. And once you make it, your job is to uplift, to enlighten. And I'm glad this actually happened at this point of his life. He's a 23 year old young man. Nobody got arrested. Nobody got injured. And I'm hearing too many stories about pistols. Okay. Allegedly with the 17 year old kid, allegedly with the Indiana Pacer staff. Last night on IG Live, I saw the video like you guys did brandishing the gun. The next step to that is now recovery. And I believe that he's on that path. I'm happy that he's on that path. He's going to return and he's going to be a better person. And because of all of this taking place, he's not going to be able to live his full potential. Royce, your, your reaction to what Jalen Rose said there? Well, I think Jalen Rose is being being very gracious as an older player. And a lot of these older players look to try and, um, you know, be positive with younger players and have that influence. I certainly had some in my life that were that were older, that had been through it. And, and I was certainly doing things at a time that many people disagreed with or, or had opinions about. So I think Jalen's being gracious and I, I really like Jalen. I know Jalen personally. I think he's a good guy. Um, but, you know, the problem here is this is a slippery slope, right? This is a very, very slippery slope. And it wouldn't be a segment with me unless I brought both sides of the equation. Because in one, inst in one instance, you're going to have people who use this to talk about guns and gun rights. And I'm never, never, ever allowing any situation to infringe upon the Second Amendment whatsoever. That's just number one. We should always throw that out there anytime a gun is in the conversation. The problem isn't that John Moran had a gun. The problem is the way he behaved with the gun. The problem is the way that he chose to promote the gun. And if you're reading between the lines culturally, like you're saying culturally, uh, this, this sort of behavior with a gun has become the motif of black Americans with guns. It's casual. It's a joke. It's a way to, to play about having force. It's a way to play about having street cred. It's a way to, you know, sort of put this image uh, or this mantra out there that at any moment I'm ready to take it to that, that level of, of, of fatal force. This is not something that black people should be on board with. You know, we, we can't cry about Black Lives Matter and the police using fatal force and shooting us in the streets, but we drink alcohol at a strip club and play with the gun. And, and this isn't this isn't rare. It's rare for a, a, a budding superstar basketball player to do on his social media. But if you're from the hood like I'm from, this whole this whole motif isn't rare at all. This has become the new norm. Young kids who are immature, 
who wear their hoodie up like that and tie it and got the ski mask and the whole the whole motif has become commonplace for black communities across this country. And anybody who says that it's not, they're lying. And they're probably getting some grants, some nonprofit community grant to say that they're, you know, creating some peace accord in the south side of Chicago or D.C. or Houston or wherever they're, you know, stealing money, basically, from the taxpayers and and being, you know, propped out there as a 501c3 Christian or whatever. But this has become the norm. And so my problem with it is what it says about Ja Morant's mentality. His mentality's off. I mean, it's just it. And it's it, you know, and I hear it. Oh, he wants to imitate a rapper. You're not imitating a rapper. Young black men in America are, are the rappers are imitating them. <laughs> this is what young black men are doing on Facebook. This is what they're doing on Instagram. They're getting in internet beefs. They're saying, I'm going to be here. Come meet me. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to air this out. I got the stick on me. I mean, we, I know all the lingo. These dudes aren't that much younger than me. And, and the real issue with it is, Jason, that I have as, as a part of the conservative movement, This is what happens when the security state decided that black men, gang leaders, real gang leaders, real men, stand up men who had problems, but but they had sacred honor, too. It was more it was more advantageous to throw them in the feds than it was to let any form of black man lead the black community. You hand it to the black women. You got a bunch of young job around. He didn't learn that from his uncles. He didn't learn that from his dad. He didn't learn that from his grandfather. He didn't learn that from the OG in the community. He he learned that from the rapper, the young rapper who's been put in front of him since he was 10 years old to be the idol and the icon of young black men. That's who he learned it from. And if he learned that from his elders in his community, they need to be brought before the court of public opinion and slapped for the, the way he's behaving. Who are your OGs? This is what we talk about in my neighborhood. Are you representing your OGs properly? He's not. This is goofy. This guy's not a gang. That's not gangster, Jason. Even in that, and I'm not saying that being a gangster is to be promoted, but what I'm saying is, let's make a clear, distinct line. That's not gangster. There's nothing gangster about that. No gangster is going to incriminate himself with a gun that he may have to use in an altercation on his social media. That's being an idiot. <laughs> it certainly seems to be some sort of clout chasing. And I- I'm wondering if if he if it's not going to be effective because i i I covered jalen rose's college career i've known jalen since he was 19 years old and he references uh and a a drug raid that he was caught up in in detroit I, i was there not there at the drug house but i was there covering the fab five at that time and then he references an assassination attempt which you know, that certainly needs some explanation or some context or whatever. But I, 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 one of the things that troubles me, Royce, is I think it's fine to show and necessary to show grace towards uh, Ja Morant because clearly he is confused and clearly he, he needs some help. But if that grace doesn't come along with some rejection of the culture that is baiting him, it falls flat to me. It seems insincere. And the entire sports world, not just Jalen Rose, but the entire sports world is intoxicated with gangster, rap, hip hop culture celebrated 
And so to me, I look at Ja Morant, and I do, I do, I agree with you. I don't think his uncles and daddy and mama, anybody is baiting him to go that direction. I think the culture is, and we don't want to let go of that culture. And so that's when I hear that, or when I don't hear a rejection of the culture, I go, man, we just saying words. And, and so there's, you know, we got Pastor Anthony here. I want you to go first. But, but if I don't hear some repentance, I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, well, look, here's the deal. And when I say it's a slippery slope, this is the reason I do. And I've said this before on the show. I think the young men in black communities all across this country, as lost and confused as they demonstrate themselves to be at some point, are much closer to Americanism than many of these um, corporate corporate sheep, sellout, followers, brainwashed, you know, nightly news uh, watching politics with French fries. I get it. They want to be independent. They're taking their life into their own hands. They're taking their security and safety into their own hands. The problem with it is where that energy has been directed. That energy has been directed at, at, um, at self-destruction, at self-hatred, at, at drugs and alcohol. So the, the energy is, is actually warranted. The energy is right. We want young men to say, you know what? My security is my responsibility. My family's security is my responsibility. Young man, it's okay to have a gun. It's not okay to flash a gun on your Instagram as some type of casual, fun, uh, play around thing while you're at a strip club getting drunk with the diamonds and the teeth and the and my boys here with me and we'll both. That's not gangster. That's not American. That's not being a leader. That's not being a man. Royce, I'm a final question. I'm gonna let you go, and I'm gonna turn this uh, conversation over to these guys. But the other criticism I have is all of American culture, but particularly it seems like athletes in the NBA, NFL, the, the sports world and American culture have, have pretty much said, you know what, we, it's perfectly fine and acceptable. And anybody that's got a problem with weed needs to go away. And, and I, I look at what John Morant's doing, and I just see somebody, to me, it's just high all the time. And, and I, I go back in my own past, the dumb things that I was involved with, tended to always be with a bottle or some weed at the root of it. And, and no one takes this seriously. And, and we, we think that everybody smoking weed in the NBA or the NFL is doing it for medical reasons, and this is so much better than everything else. And, and I think it's, it's how you create idiots. I, there, there is a problem with this pro-weed, pro-drug culture we have that, that's baiting these young men into silliness and foolishness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the, the cultural narrative that is spun has some merit to it. Yes, the pharmaceutical industry is is a cartel. The, the medical industrial complex is a cartel. And some of the drugs that they prescribe at mass are far more dangerous at mass or on average than, than your average joint. No doubt. Benzodiazepine is one of them. Medication that they use to treat panic and anxiety disorders is one of them. Right. Marijuana joint won't kill you by itself. 
uh, benzodiazepines will, Xanax. And there are people mixing Xanax with weed. And I don't think that you can look away from that, right? So th there is merit to this sort of anti-pharmaceutical or legal drug uh, argument. But let's stop making it seem like that's a justification for how we use weed and, and how weed becomes, you know, acts in our community culturally. We don't have some holistic, you know, this whole Dr. Sebi and, and you know, respect to, to Nipsey Hussle. And he tried to speak to some things as well around uh, health, diet, things like that, Dr. Sebi. But this whole Dr. Sebi holistic medicine scam, it's a scam for most people in their life. They're using it as a meme and a, re a requote or retweet bait material. You people are not using marijuana as some, some you know, uh, some sophisticated holistic health initiative. It's a lie. It's a scam. You're using marijuana for the, the same way many people are using many addictive things in our society to escape the responsibility of will, the will of man, okay? The free will that we were granted by God that's what we're using marijuana and drugs and many other distractions to escape. And Java Rant's probably no different. Obviously, with the alcohol, I don't know if he's smoking weed, but I wouldn't be surprised to learn that he's doing some other drugs as well. But a lot of young people are. A lot of people his age are. They think that this is the this is cool. I, I don't even, you know, it, it's frustrating to me. Again, I go back to what I said in the beginning. Who are your OGs? I mean, I just want to sit down and figure out who taught these young men this. Because I, I, I guess I was fortunate. I look out at it as a young black male who's an athlete, and I, I thank God. I'm like, man, I had some black men in my life that were elders who may have some were in the streets, some worked regular blue-collar jobs, some were in the church. There was a variety. There was a diversity of it. But none of them would I be able to look at straight in the face behaving like that in public. None of them. From the, from the gangster who did 17 years in the feds, to the, to the man who was in church every, every Sunday. None of them would I be able to act like this in front of and be, able to, and be able to keep a straight face or hold my head high. I wonder who these people's leaders are. But I get it. It's little Nas X. It's, it's little Pump. It's, you know, it's all the rappers. It's a bunch, of, a bunch of transgender lesbian. I don't know who these people are following. Thank you, Royce. They're not following you, but hopefully one day they will. Thank you, great job. Anthony, I, I wanted my whole point of, I get the grace and the sympathy, but, but I just think for Jalen Rose, people like myself, people in the public, we have to repent and reject the culture that's baiting we've these celebrated, guys. We've celebrated that culture. Yeah. And we've celebrated it in some, in some ways we have uh, overlooked the culture because of the financial benefit. We may have that relative that in the family that's slinging drugs, gang banging on the street, but he comes through with a rent payment, so we kind of let it slide. But we celebrate that, and then in, as it relates to sports, as you pointed out, in virtually every sport we've leaned into, basketball, NBA, we've leaned into hip hop or gangster culture and so where is, where is the avenue, I'm just asking, where is the avenue for the young athlete with a fade, no tattoos, good GPA, doesn't curse, like, and, and I'm not speaking ill against everybody that has a tattoo, that's not, I'm saying that culture we celebrate and then it leads young men to, Jaw grew up in a situation that a lot of black kids don't grow up in, two-parent home that's kind of straight-laced but something attracts him to, 
I can't be a great NBA player just on my skill alone. I have to earn street cred so that you know I'm real off the street, et cetera. It used to bother me growing up and seeing athletes get in trouble because you're complained about the hood that you grew up in and you talk about, oh, we came from the mud, we came out of it, but then you end up getting in trouble in the same hood with a you know, Mercedes and with you know, $200,000 on you. Why? Because we're celebrating that culture. So it's, it's a point. We gotta repent of that and we need to celebrate the straight lace. We would call those people all kinds of names if they didn't seem, as Jalen said in his clip, they didn't seem down to us. Like there's something wrong with a guy that just is a good athlete and is taking care of his family. I tell kids, I'll let you get back, but I tell kids all the time, especially the young kids, because of what I know, because of what I've seen in my family, because of the gangbangers that I've known and have come out of that, fall in love with the simple life. Go to work, marry a good woman, raise your kids well, get involved in church, live a straight laced life. It sounds boring, seems boring, but in the end, I'm not worried about baby mama drama. I'm not worried about looking over my head for anything. I ain't worried about trying to prove myself to anybody. If anything, I want God to lean up off the throne and say, well done. We do need repentance, right? Because I bet you John Morant claims to be a Christian. But a lot of people don't know what repentance means. So you have to yeah. go to the scripture. Yeah. Proverbs 28, 13 explains it to you perfectly. It's to confess and to forsake yes. your sins. And those people will be forgiven. So do the repentance in this country. But people ask the question, who are the leaders? Well, John Morant tells you. Look at the videos. It's always NBA young boy playing in the background. Mm. It's NBA young boy, right? <clears throat> There's all these gangster rappers. I don't care how rich you get, how good of an athlete you are. I think Drake said this before. They all want to be the rappers. The, the, the rappers want to be the ball players, That's and the ball players want to be the rappers, yep. right? So he's emulating, got the gold teeth for what? Why, why, why does John Rennie need gold teeth and flashing around a gun in the strip club? He's probably in the strip club because of the culture. We forget about that part. We talk about the gun. The only reason he's probably in the strip club, that's, what, that's what's culturally relevant. We got to throw, throw hunters. We got to make it rain. And, and um, I mean, that's just, Royce Wright was right, too. People in, the, people in the hood, you go back to your hometown, they brag about being shooter, being a shooter. You know, back in the day, being the drug dealer with the money was popular, right? Today, that's not really what people want to be. It's not about being a drug dealer now. Everybody want to be the shooter. Mm. You want to be strapped. You know what I'm saying? You want to be a gangster. Because rappers like King, Vine, you know, that's what's drill music. That's what's popular. Drill music, go listen to a drill song and tell me how many times you hear about selling drugs. You don't. It's straight. I'm a killer. I'm a shooter. I'm always strapped. That's what these people want to be, and that's what John Morant want to be. He didn't even grow up in that type of home, but this is what he's displaying to everyone. I'm wondering, as, as someone who markets themselves, as you do, and understands marketing, I want, is this going to work for On the other side of this, will he be more popular? Will he be a better brand for Nike on the other side of this? No, he's not even being accepted. If you read the comments, everybody is saying, bro, you're not even from this background. Like, what do you, if you read the comment section, it's not working out for him in any way, shape, or form. So it's a bad marketing tactic. So, uh, Steve, as the uh, white adjacent member of <coughs> well, this crew, 
I'm sure you have a lot, uh, you know. Guys, uh, as an honorary African-American uh, who is uh, constantly uh, assumed a registered Democrat, uh, I'll never forget during Lynn's sanity going to a karaoke bar and seeing Jeremy Lynn come in and flash nunchucks. It's like, here we go. Here we go. We just can't get away from it. So, yeah. <laughs> You had to bring up Jeremy Lin. You know, there I, we go. You know I got in trouble for Jeremy Lin, right? Are you aware of that? I, I uh, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> try to take me to a bad spot. All right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that's on me. That's on me. We're going to get even more Asian in a minute because Steve Kim's going to join us to talk about uh, Job Morant. So you won't be here alone. We've <laughs> okay, left you out right. here on an island, uh, but you won't be there alone for long. Uh, make sure you guys are getting your tickets now for Roll Call uh, here at Rocket Town in Nashville. Uh, it's Saturday, April 15th. We're just five, six weeks away. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Bearing witness requires courage, not perfection. It's going to be an awesome event. We're going to uplift you. We're going to inspire you. We're going to have a great time. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Tickets are still available. Make sure you're doing it right now. Steve Kim. Atheists, the secular world, the culture uses our imperfection, our sins to take, shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men we know you're imperfect, you know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy, mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture, and we, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? And you're gonna turn around and let them chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl? And you're gonna let them make the Bible hate speech? You're the last line of defense here because nobody else is gonna do it and God's gonna walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you, so it's like everybody, that's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms. And there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder. And every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know, you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no, we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough. In prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, 
He's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ. I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone. Be confident in your positions, and we're going to inspire you. We're going to eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's going to be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're going to put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. All right, welcome back. Time for some Korean co-sell, Steve Kim. Steve, uh, oh, before I get to Steve, I forgot to tell you guys, uh, you good fearless soldiers out there on YouTube, are you hitting the like button right now? Pound it 15 times, uh, hit the subscribe button, Leave a comment in the comment section. If you're listening over Apple, hit that five-star review. Leave a comment. Leave a review on Apple. Be a good, fearless soldier. Support this show. We're fighting the algorithm. Need you to hit those likes. I know that's tough to say right before bringing Steve Kim on. No one likes Steve Kim, but uh, <laughs> we'll still bring Steve on. Steve, uh, we're talking Ja Morant, and and we've we've already actually heard from our quota of Asian people already today. Steve <laughs> Byrne has already chimed in. You got a tough act to follow, but uh, you have any thoughts on Ja Morant and what the Memphis Grizzlies should do? Oh, so we're going with two live Koreans tonight. Okay, that's good. I'll be fresh kid <laughs> right. Uh, I, I don't know what to think about Papa Doc Morant. Uh, look, this is a guy that's engulfed in, in by the culture. A culture that pressures him. I, I mean, think about it. Uh, everyone has now seen the family pictures of him years ago circulating, and they look like the Huxtables. And now he's trying to be Bishop from Juice. And it's really sad. And it's almost like there seems to be this external pressure to live up to a certain behavior. And it's very cultural because, look, at the end of the day, he grew up much more like Grant Hill, it looks like, than Allen Iverson. And I go back to what I told you uh, when we referenced the answer or AI a couple of appearances ago. You know, with AI, he certainly made his mistakes. There was a rap sheet. There's a history. And he was far from perfect. But if you research Iverson's past and you saw the 30 for 30 and you read other articles about him, you kind of understand why it turned out that way. That this is a young man who still beat the odds and he wasn't supposed to. The thing that's disappointing about Jay Morant is he had it laid out nicely. I mean, look at that. That is a great American nuclear family. Look at them smiling, happy, a mother and a father probably had a white picket fence. I, and then he turns out like this. And, and it goes to show you that cultural pressures can even affect the individual. So when people say it's just as simple as, well, we need fathers in the home, it's not that simple. It's not the end all and be all. 
And the question then becomes, does the culture make the individual or do the individuals make the culture? Mm, I do think the first building block of changing the culture is the reinstallation of the father into Agreed. the nuclear family. Agreed. That's the foundation. You can't, you know, I don't all cultures that, stem from yeah. the family. Uh, I do not and disagree. So, Steve, but, these... Yeah, but let me just say this, though. Maybe even Morant's father feels the pressure to be a certain way. Right? And mm. I've seen this in boxing. Otherwise, normal human beings, their sons become these big-name fighters, and all of a sudden, they, they quit their jobs. And their whole identity is based on their son's career, and they lose their identity as an individual. And instead of being the father that raised this young man, 17, 18 years old, they don't let go. They want to be the trainer. Then they want to be the manager. And next thing you know, they're acting like the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And you don't even recognize these people from when their kids were growing up. It's, it's complicated, but it's also very simple. Raise your kids right, and then you yourself have to be that adult. Steve, these guys disagree with me, and I guess I had a little bit of a feeling that this may, on the other side of this, enhance John Moran's brand. These guys have laughed me off, said he's getting crushed over social media. It's not going to work. But, but I'll say this, and my memory may be fuzzy, but... but John Morant, to me, not much different from a upbringing background than Kobe Bryant. And again, my memory may be fuzzy. You're the hardcore Lakers fan. But it feels like on the other side of the rape allegations, Kobe Bryant was more popular. Well, that's a tough one. You know... With Laker fans, he never lost his popularity because, quite frankly, he was so good. And in my view, Bryant developed almost like what I call the cult of Kobe. I mean, Laker fans loved him. Loved him to a point they actually think he's better than Michael Jordan, which he's not. But his, but his performance and his production was so good. And this is the thing about American athletics and entertainment. When you are good to great and you are transcendent, we forgive you. That's the God's honest truth. You know, like Chris Rock referenced this past weekend, we still listen to Michael Jackson. We do. And there's been a lot of allegations with him, whether it's true or not. You can believe what you want, but people are willing to excuse production and greatness. Here's what I think happened with Kobe from a national perspective. The Laker fans were always on Kobe's side regardless. Okay, I'm not making a judgment on it. I saw it firsthand. Nationally, as we got further and further away from 2003 and whatever happened in Eagle, Colorado, as the Lakers again regained prominence and then won their first NBA title, which was the second year of Pau Gasol against the Orlando Magic, I believe, in the 09 season. I'm not going to lie to you, Jason. It's almost like Eagle, Colorado. And, and again, I, I want to be very clear about this. I'm not excusing it. I'm not trying to whitewash it or sweep it under the rug. But to a lot of people, it's almost like it never happened. Anthony, I saw you nodding your head. You got a different narrative no. on Kobe. Steve Kim is hit. He's hit the. He's hit it. They loved him because of his game. They loved him for his relentless pursuit on the game. The incident happened. The allegations, I should say, happened. Uh, all of that, we don't know what happened. It was a personal flaw. We forgive that. The deal with 
the comparing that to John ja Morant and, and you thinking his brand is going to blow. Kobe was authentic to the game. Ja is trying to be something outside of the game. Now, he is talented. If he leaned into that, he already won, uh, what, a couple of years back, he won most improved because his shooting wasn't good. He gets better in shooting. We see and people were celebrating him because of his game, but he's trying to be, you know, a gangster. Like, leave that stuff, man, and get back to the game. But I, I don't, and that's why I think, you know, like I said, Bryson has said it too, that's why I think he's getting killed on social media because he's not being authentic to who he is and even to the game. Yeah, and, and Kobe Bryant still was a he said, she said in yeah. most people's mind. Yeah. Whereas there's, this is cut and dry. The guy put himself out there on video. There, there's stories. The, the story about him and the 17-year-old yeah. seems to be it's not up for debate. Uh, and so, you know, Kobe got caught up in a he said, she said. But I, I just, I just, and you know, he can't play the Allen Iverson role because he just didn't come from it. So maybe, Jason, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Jason, we talk a lot about the pretty privilege, right? Great looking women, they get away with certain things. There's also an athletic privilege. All right, let's be honest, that young man from Alabama that got caught up in that ugly situation. And, and, and someone said after that 41-point game, oh, my God, how could they let him play? Easy. He just scored 41. That's why, because he's capable of that. <laughs> and, 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 and I, I mean, it, it reminds me of the most infamous Miami Hurricane recruit ever. This was about 20 years ago. His name was Willie Williams. And it was a vagabond high school player transferred. But this kid was like the Lawrence Taylor of Dade County. And he was like the number one recruit of the Larry Coker class. And this was one of the first big national recruiting uh, stories in the internet era. And it turned out he had been like arrested like 16, 17 times. Now, some people would say, well, he'd fit right in with Miami, but we've changed, right? We're a softer, nicer program. And when I saw his tape, when I saw some video highlights of him, I said, you know what? If we live in a country where you can't give a kid 18 strikes, then I don't want to be here. You know why? <laughs> now, never mind he got he quit the program in two years. Hey, we gave him a shot. We gave him a but you know why though? Because we felt as though his athleticism and his production was going to be worth it. That's the reality. We always do this. It's never changed. Anybody else for I uh, Well, look, Steve and I can't understand the cultural pressures that a young black man has got to endure with putting up the the gangster front, the gold teeth, the tattoos, voting for Biden. You know, it's just something we'll Sorry. <laughs> you probably got tiger moms though, right? Yeah, you got Tiger Moms. You got that to deal with. All right, let, let's uh, switch up, Steve. I wanted to ask you about the Texas Tech basketball coach, Mark Adams. He's gotten suspended for two games. According to ESPN, uh, he made a racially insensitive comment to one of his players reading a Bible scripture that was trying to inspire the guy to sacrifice for his teammates or whatever, or practice harder. And there was several things mentioned in the scripture, but at the, one of them was there was about slaves 
being loyal to their masters or something along those lines. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I... <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. We'll start with you, and then I can't wait to hear Bryson and, and Anthony on this because th- they know Scripture the best. But your thoughts on Texas Tech suspending the coach for reading a Bible Scripture to a player? Well, welcome to 2023. And look, the only thing I would say about that coach is, look, I I think things were taken out of context. Obviously, people didn't read into it. But once you invoke the word slaves in a largely black endeavor, which is Division One college basketball, you have to expect this. You really do. It's like any white person that's singing a rap lyric and that word is there. You're going to lose your scholarship. You might lose your career. You're going to lose your eligibility. Like it happened to Marcus Stokes right at Florida. But I think coaches are in such a tough spot. You know, I yearn for the days when a Bobby Knight, the general, Robert Montgomery Knight, now there was a basketball man. I mean, you've heard the story. He was so unhappy one day with this team. He actually came out of the bathroom stall, went to the locker room, his team was around, and he had a used piece of toilet paper. And I'm assuming it was from him, right? And he said, you know what? This is what I think of your play. You guys are playing like this right now. You just dropped it right in the middle and just walked out. That's coaching. That was making basketball great again. We need that, and I miss those days. I miss you those days. You heard a sanitized <laughs> version of that story. You heard yeah, a sanitized version of well, that story. Kids are watching no, this. Kids I, literally, watching. The, the way I heard it was he went to midcourt, pulled his pants down, and took a dump on the court and said, no, that's wow. how you played. Yeah, well, I, I would hate to that's, be the student I'm a young boy in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a young boy in Indiana. That's the way we always heard the story. But how can you not think something's going to be insensitive that was literally the Bible? Of course there's going to be things because as, you know, it's presentism, right? Everything's present day. You're judging things, so you're taking literally the oldest book in history. Of course there's going to be something offensive. They're, They're redoing the James Bond books because they're insensitive. Dr. No Means No is the new title uh, from Russia with Consensual Love is a new title. So, of course. Where's my drum? There we go. Uh, I don't like it. They're turning the Bible into hate speech. I don't think there's no way anybody can read me something out of the Bible that I would take offense to. And I, I don't care the context. It's scripture. It's the word of God. I, 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 Texas Tech may be looking for a way out from underneath uh, this coach that they gave a pretty decent extension to, I think, a year ago, and they've had a disappointing season. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, dis, I'm, not, I'm disappointed but not surprised that a kid that's struggling will, will find a way to, oh, the, the coach is the bad guy. I saw it with Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, and uh, the guy wore a – OAN t-shirt and the running back they had Chubb Chubb Chuba Hubbard, I think is his name he's in the NFL now yeah Chuba you know said he was offended by the guy's t-shirt and Mike Gundy had to apologize and it was literally from the OAN network he had to apologize for these these kids have been weaponized they they think that you know playing victim is the way to uh Jason. clean up America and go ahead Steve it's very simple then. Uh, I want to see this kid's stats. And if he's just a role player complaining, uh, very easy. If the coach keeps his job, I would emancipate him from his scholarship. Get that cancer out of here. I'm being dead serious. I, I would try. I'd be like, listen, if you don't like this atmosphere, you don't like what we're doing here, you can leave. 
Now, if he scores 30 points, we got to work it out. If he's a 30 point a game scored, now we got to work it out. Because <laughs> that matters. I'm very offended by his use of the word emancipation <laughs> there. Well, emancipation. Very racially insensitive. My, my thing is the context within scripture, right? First off, how can it be racially insensitive? Who are the slaves in the Bible? Yeah. Jews. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. so when we make this claim, like, oh, it's racially insensitive to who? You, you, it wasn't you. Nobody, no one, your ancestors either. But you know, black folk have been taught, like you said earlier, whatever the word slave gets brought up, it's, it's us every single time. Even though almost every race uh, and every ethnic group has been a slave at some time in history, especially when you're talking about 2,500 years ago, because he's obviously quoting from the Tanakh, or you can call it the Old Testament. That's what he's quoting from. So it's obviously 2,000 years ago. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, like he said, it's 2023. You can't even say no homo without getting fined, so I'm not shocked. Very offended by that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- th- that, I... I <laughs> He shouldn't, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be, if we're just going off the text, like Bryson said, if, if you go Old Testament, if you, even if you go New Testament, when Paul deals with it in Ephesians, Peter deals with it in 1 Peter, the context of the obedience goes to everybody. He's saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That may be offensive one day. He's telling workers that, that have jobs, which slavery at the time was a lot like uh, low-level work. Most of the slaves that we read of in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, they are paying off debt or they're working. And a lot of them, don't have time to get into the history of it, but a lot of them, yeah, we do. Their, their work <laughs> environment was, was so well scripturally. This is where piercing your ear became uh, an understanding because they said, I know I'm free. You know, I worked seven years and I'm free. But I enjoyed working for you guys and this family so much, I want to stay. And so they pierced their ear as a symbol. If somebody saw somebody with the ears pierced, they'd say, oh, we know he's staying with, okay, that's why his ear is pierced. So it was not American chattel slavery. It was a completely different dynamic. But again, contextually, Peter's saying everybody needs to be submissive to rank and order. Everybody, you need to be... Uh, submissive to rank and order to the governing laws where you stay. All of this requires a rank and order. So if he's using it in that context, hey, hey, guys, hey, team, listen, we got to follow some orders here. We got to understand there's a rank and order to how we do. And as we buy into that, we become a better team. The only caveat, if he's trying to be, you know, if he's trying to go overtly, but the text, I can't argue with the text. I got to agree with scripture. I'm trying to, someone take a stab at walking me through how it could be offensive. There's a spirit in how we say anything. There's a spirit in whatever we do. If I am really, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love. And that love does not always mean good feelings, okay? But it does mean the spirit in which I'm trying to help somebody. I also have to understand that with all of us, We all got egos. We all have a tendency in our own humanity to be our own gods. So I got to look at if I'm trying to correct somebody, uh, Paul would let us know in Galatians uh, chapter six, as I'm going to spiritually restore someone, I've got to consider myself lest I also be tempted. So if I'm coming at this from a humble space, now if I'm trying to lord over somebody and I'll go through the Bible and pick out a couple of verses that say what I want it to say, but I don't take the context into it and I'm trying to do 
there's a spirit that I can use scripture in an abusive way. So that I don't know. I don't know this guy's heart. I, I can't even go there. But I can speak to an area that I study quite frequently, and that's the word. And, and I know that the word is not racially insensitive. It's not socially insensitive. It's all aligned with God's will. So if the apostles encouraging people, hey, guys, as Christians, we need to be the best people on the planet. If you have a job, you need to be the best employees because you're not working to your boss. You're working as unto the Lord. Teammates, you need to be the best teammates on the planet because you're playing to glorify God. And so you're working with you. If, if he's coming in that spirit, I can't jump on him. it. And Steve, we're going to let you go because I want to bring TJ Moe in. Uh, Steve, great job. We can only handle so much Asian stuff in one show. <laughs> My God, Steve. <laughs> so you're getting a little less time on this show because Steve Byrne is handling that for us. Uh, but, but we're going to go to TJ Moe uh, next. You know, before I even make my comment, let, let's 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 get to T.J. Moe. We'll, we'll be right back to T.J. Moe. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to St. Louis. Bring in T.J. Moe. T.J., I was just telling these guys, I. I Man, getting old sucks. Just telling these guys the point I wanted. Where did I leave off? I, I was like, what, what provoked my next thought that I had I wanted to break down before we brought you on to talk about Mark Adams. Oh, here's what it was. I have seen, this is why I'm on the coach's side. I have seen young people, uh, particularly in college, who fall into the narrative of uh, Christianity uh, is a religion that's evil and was used to justify slavery. Seen mm -hmm. young people that buy that. I have not seen, and I've got a lot of years in coaching, I have not seen a coach read scripture, share scripture with somebody in some kind of malicious way. That's why I side with Mark Adams. It's more believable to me that he's talking to the one young person who's in some BLM group at Texas Tech or in the middle of some African-American studies class, or maybe he's reading 1619 and he's bought into, this dude just read me Bible scripture and they just using it to justify slavery. And he's just like master so-and-so and blah, blah. That's why... I tend to side with, because uh, again, some of these thoughts, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about my, I've, not that I've ever fully bought it, but there were times when you're in college and when you're deep off into Farrakhan land like I was in college, where you, man, uh, Christianity ain't really for us, blah, blah, blah. I can see a young guy buying into that. No way do I buy that some coach is reading scripture to his kids in a malicious way. Your thoughts only, on Mark Adams? Yeah, the only way that he would have been reading scripture in a malicious way is if he intended to commit career suicide, move to Norway, and start over. There's just no way <laughs> anybody with any sense would do that in today's climate. You'd have to be an absolute fool. So we know that. And, you know, <clears throat> I think what we've done to this kid, I, you know, it's hard to blame the, the kids 
in today's generation, we've screwed them up so bad. An analogy I would use is my, my daughter's two years old, coming up on two. She climbs on things and falls all day, every day. And some of the falls, you know, she may climb up on the counter or whatever. We don't see her. And if I run over to her and say, oh, my gosh, are you okay? That probably hurts so bad. I bet you're miserable. She cries for 15 minutes. She tells me how terrible it was. She'll never heal. But if I go over and say, hey, you're going to be all right, she doesn't cry. That We've told these kids that any usage of the word slavery must be like you got stabbed in the heart. And so, of course, they're going to react this way. We've taught them this is the proper reaction. It's crazy, even if it comes out of the Bible. And again, remember, people can say what they want about the Bible. It was Christians who freed the slaves across the world here in England and in America. It was Christians who led the way. And anybody who, who reads the text properly, I thought uh, Pastor Anthony did a great job. The context, the Bible is intentionally complex because God wants the Holy Spirit inside of you to have to reveal a very complicated text. I don't think it's just plain as day for a lot of people. You have to read it thoroughly and you have to know what you're talking about. And so you can read Paul in Ephesians and say, well, what's he talking about there and be confused. But if you understand the whole context, you see he's working on the heart of man. He's trying to get the heart of man changed. He later on talks to the slave owners and slaves during the New Testament, too. They weren't like the slaves we talk about today. In America, we only have one understanding of slavery, but they were indentured servants. This is who we, we, we know this because Paul told us further in Philemon. Right. And so we have a pretty good understanding, but you have to understand the Bible. And once upon a time in America, we did understand the Bible. I don't think any of the people who are talking about this right now have a basic understanding of the Bible. And the Bible, even in the Old Testament, where people say, you know, look at Egypt, there was slavery, it was okay. Exodus 21, 16, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of them shall be put to death. That's what the Bible thinks about slavery. That's the African slave trade. Stealing a man, whether you were the thief or the person who received him, you are to be put to death. That's what the Bible thinks about it. So don't, you know, whoever thinks you're reading scripture to go push someone towards uh, whatever he may be doing here, if it, any malicious intent, you're crazy. It, it, you, you would have to be, again, committing some sort of career suicide and also have, have a pretty crazy misunderstanding of the Bible. And I can't imagine Mark Adams, if he is actually willing to bring scripture out to his players, doesn't have at least a basic understanding of the Bible. And so my position, TJ, is that these college campuses have turned so secular that coaches are petrified of sharing the wisdom, knowledge, uh, tools that help them advance in life. And for many coaches, coaching is a ministry for them. And, and now it, it, Tony Dungy, as much as he celebrated, he couldn't exist in today's culture, we already see how he's treated by the media for taking a biblical stance. And, and so what's happening to Mark Adams, I think is consistent with what's going on in coaching at the collegiate level and the professional level. Everybody has to pretty much conceal their faith. It's perfectly fine to have faith, just don't share with anybody and, and we're all good with that. And, and race and the LGBT issue 
are the ways that they're demonizing it. And, and it, it, it just really, really bothers me. Someone, uh, I watched two sermons on Sunday and, and one of them really went after, you know, how the LGBT thing is being used and, and, and uh, just being used to destroy the church, being used to destroy faith and being used to silence people. And, and again, that race is the other thing. And they're silencing this guy's faith and maybe going to run him out of college basketball at the end of his career with, with a little bit of a smear campaign. Yeah. I mean, look at Deion Sanders. He started prayer. Was it you that said, look, if, if there's anybody who, <laughs> who who's not perhaps the uh, most mature Christian, it's Dion. You'd be OK with that. And yet here he is. Dion's getting crushed already. I'm sure he's doing the same thing at Jackson State, but you get it to a big enough platform, you get crushed. Here, here's my position on this. I, uh, there was a guy at my church this weekend who quoted this scripture, and, and I love it, and I will stick to it and probably uh, expand on this at the summit. Um, Revelations 21.8 talks about who's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. The first group mentioned are the cowards. And so I just have very little empathy for whoever is standing out there and saying, well, I could, I could lose my job. And I just, and you're like, then you don't have any faith. I don't know what to tell you. If, if, if you don't trust Jesus, when he took pe- his, his people into the desert, every single day, he provided them with manna from the sky. And you don't think he's going to provide for you and your family as you're standing up for him in scripture. And so I just, look, I, I don't have much empathy for cowards. And, and I think Dion, I'm proud of Dion. I think all of the coaches that actually believe this and want to use this as their ministry should look at that verse and say, there's a reason God said a version of do not fear 365 times in the Bible. And that when you become a real Christian, you get a supernatural courage that he gives you through the Holy spirit. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with being a Christian. And if you don't have it, you need to look inside and see what the problem is. Unpack a little bit about your Deion Sanders take. I know he's in some trouble, but loop the uh, audience in on what you're referring to. Dion, and, I, and I, as far as I can tell, he's just been praying with the team. And, and he's, he has some pretty big blowback from that early on. Just different media outlets and things, which is crazy to me. We prayed all the time. We had a chapel, a Christian chapel from the biggest Christian church in the area. Before every, on Friday nights, we brought him in. And if you weren't a Christian, you were not asked to attend. You were welcome to. Nobody forced you. It's just, this is what Coach, Coach Pinkle believed. This is what many of us believed. And so we had that chapel. It was, you know, we had, we had coaches stand up there. I remember Dave Steckle, our defensive coordinator, stood up one time and he said, right here on this, on this penny, it says, in God we trust. That's we're gonna, what we're going to do on this team. So it used to be where we could have these discussions. This was as late, that was 2011. And so I, I don't know what it's changed to where I know we've had the, the recent lawsuit where the coach prayed on the field with his team. He won and got back pay. And so I know at least the Supreme Court is standing up for that. But, the, but there's become such a crazy backlash to even acknowledging in public that you have faith. That's what you said. You can say it privately. Dion, go ahead and pray. Just do it at your house. Don't bother anybody else. And he's saying, I'm not doing that. That's not why I got into coaching. And, and again, this, this to me, we're, we're called in Matthew 5 to be the salt of the earth. And so if you're going to have some courage to actually be a Christian – then 
Don't go messing with what the world's going to tell you. Actually, me and Bryson talked about this last time. Uh, it was it was relating to Demar Hamlin. It's like, look, you, you, James four four. You cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of Jesus. Cannot happen. And so, as everybody, it, it's a good indication if you are trying to live out your faith. It is a really indication that you're doing it properly if you're being persecuted. Right. There's a lot of verses. Go go through Matthew. There's a lot talking about that. So as you get this backlash, embrace it and double down. This is why I'm glad my I played ice hockey all my life. My coaches never went to the Bible to inspire us. They avoided conflict. They always just read to us inspirational quotes from autobiographies from like David Duke. And it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, on that note, Steve, where's Steve Kim? Can we get Steve Kim back here? <laughs> uh, TJ, thank you so much. We got to keep it moving. I need you guys to hit the likes, the comments, get in the comments. We need uh, 4,000 likes on this show. You're doing a good job, but you can do better. Hit that like button. All right, when you come back, I'm going to end the show with a fire starter that will set up tomorrow's show. All that to It's my obligation on hate discrimination raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to bring all these guys back and we're going to talk about Chris Rock's new Netflix special. But we're going to end today's show with a fire starter about Chris Rock's special so this can percolate and simmer overnight and then we'll come back and have a great full discussion about his Netflix special. Before I get into this fire starter, though, I need you guys to hit the likes, hit the comments, hit subscribe. If you're on Apple, give me that five-star review. All right, uh, let's get this party ending, starting. Ending? Are we ending? We're ending the show right now. So let's get the party. Let's get the fire starter started. Uh, despite the cursing, name-calling, endorsement of abortion, and celebration of lust and drugs, Chris Rock's Netflix comedy special, Selective Outrage, expressed a biblical worldview. In fact, when it ended after Rock closed with a tirade that repeatedly called Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith bitches, the 60-minute routine felt like the comedian's impersonation of Jesus's cleansing of the temples, the one that featured Christ overturning tables and bad-mouthing bankers. Selective outrage lived up to its name. It was not a flash of anger. It was a controlled and calculated demolition of a culture turned antithetical to the one that cultivated Rock's metacritic rise to stardom. Rock was justifiably outraged Saturday night. Woke culture threatens his way of life. Insistence on political correctness cancels entertainers who dare to bother the sensibilities of way too easily triggered. The 58-year-old Rock, the product of a working-class nuclear family with seven kids, hammered an anti-victimhood message throughout his stand-up routine. He ripped American white men for claiming victim status. He blasted Meghan Markle, the light-skinned Duchess of Sussex, for whining about the royal's interest in the skin tone of her baby. Take a listen. Some of that shit she went through was not racism. It was just some in-law shit. <laughs> Sometimes it's just some in-law shit. Cause she's complaining, I'm like, what the f is she talking about? 
Good to know, for they're so racist. They wanted to know how brown the baby was gonna be. They're so racist. They wanted to know how brown the baby's gonna be. I'm like, that's not racist. Cause even black people wanna know. Ever since Will Smith walked on the Oscar stage to slap rock, the super skinny comic has waged a one-man war against victimhood. Take a listen. I'm not a victim, baby. You will never see me on Oprah or Gail crying. You will never see it. Never gonna happen. I couldn't believe it, and I love men in black. No. It's never gonna happen. I took that hit like Pacquiao, <laughs> Reviewers of Selective Outrage will focus on Rock's angry rebuke of Will Smith. Nothing is more clickable than a celebrity conflict. However, nothing is more important than the good versus evil, believers versus atheists culture war raging in America. Rock chose a side Saturday night. He's on the God Squad. Given the enormous amount of profanity Rock unleashed Saturday night, he sounded like a mashup of rappers Cardi B and Eazy, that assertion will sound crazy to many people. It's even nuttier considering Rock bragged and joked about paying for abortions and using his wealth to pursue sexual conquest. To wild applause, Rock proudly staked a pro-choice position saying he wants his two daughters to control their bodies and complaining that many states now outlaw abortion. But that was all just a setup to Rock's real joke and even realer point. Abortion is murder. He kept telling the seemingly pro-choice Baltimore audience that he was on their side. But he also kept throwing the ugliness and immorality of abortion in their face. He compared abortion to a mafia hit. He feigned calling a doctor and asking, is it done yet? Take a listen. So there's a part of me that's pro-life. But since I love my daughters unconditionally, I love them not just as little girls, I love them as grown women, I want my daughters to live in a world where they have complete control of their bodies, okay? Okay? And because of that, I am pro-choice. I'm absolutely pro-choice, okay? women should have the right to kill babies. That's right. I'm on your side. I believe you should have the right to kill as many babies as you want. Kill them all. I don't give a f But let's not get it twisted. It is killing a baby. Because whenever I pay for an abortion, I request a dead baby. Sometimes I call up the doctor like a hitman. Is it done? <laughs> Chris Rock is not pro-abortion. Throughout his career, he's made it quite clear life begins in the womb. Saturday, he ridiculed the notion of women being allowed to abort their children up until the child's first report card. In 2005, a writer for Slate, John Swansburg, labeled Rock the William F. Buckley of stand-up. 
Of course, you remember Buckley, the conservative public intellectual and founder of the National Review. Well, Swansburg hated Rock's penchant for taunting women who use abortion as birth control. Chris Rock embodies the American dream. He, his mom, dad, and six siblings climbed the social and economic ladder thanks to, his, to this country's Judeo-Christian culture. On Saturday, Rock shared a story about his mom growing up during a time when black people in her community often had to see a veterinarian to get their teeth pulled. He marveled that his mom now flies twice a year to Europe to visit her granddaughter at culinary school. Rock's Saturday Night Sermon included references to his humble upbringing, grateful spirit, and devotion to his daughters. The discerning ear noticed Rock lacing his bits with biblical wisdom. He trashed the notion that kids are born good and made evil and racist by their parents. Yeah, kids are born good? Only people without kids say that, Rock observed before sharing his older daughter's habit of biting people when she was a child. You think me and her mother taught her that, Rock asked? Christians believe man is born into sin, wicked by nature, and in need of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Non-believers think man is born pure and turned wicked by the world. Rock also cleverly explained the natural order and the benefits of a patriarchal culture. He said you can judge a neighborhood by who is at home at 12.15 in the afternoon on a weekday. If you see women in sweatsuits, walking babies, riding bikes, and just leaving the gym, you know you're in a good neighborhood. If you see men in sweatsuits, riding bikes, and lifting weights, you know you're in danger. Rock said it's not good when men aren't working. Rock ended his show revealing why he didn't physically respond to Will Smith's slap. Take a listen. A lot of people go, Chris, how come you didn't do nothing back? How come you didn't do nothing back that night? Because I got parents. That's why. Because I was raised. That was worthy of a mic drop. Chris Rock is the profane preacher comedy really needs. That's my fire starter. We'll see you tomorrow.